gracious and loving God, we come this morning on this second Sunday of Pentecost to give you honor and glory and praise. And our desire is to please you and represent you rightly in this world. For we are grateful, God, uh, uh, for you are more than worthy to be praised. And we thank you for, for the energy, for the power, for the strength that you give us through the Holy Spirit to handle all the challenges of this world. God, thank you for your extraordinary love and mercy and grace that when we are at our lowest or when we're facing great trials and tribulations or just facing the ordinary battles of life that we can find all that we need in you. God, we lift up a special prayer for John this morning as he has lost his mother yesterday or this morning and ask that you send special comfort his way. For he wanted to be with us here instead of in solitude somewhere. Bless him right now, God. Bless the hand that I'm holding right now. Bless my brother. Bless my, my husband. Bless my son. Bless my sister, my wife, my daughter. Bless my friend, my neighbor, my co-worker. And respond to their prayers and bless them exceedingly and abundantly more than they could ever expect or ask. Now come now, Daddy, Abba, Yahweh, Jehovah, hide me behind the cross of our salvation. Let the people see you and not me. Let them hear you through me. Stand in my body, think with my mind, speak with my tongue, for you alone are to be glorified. You are my strength and my redeemer. And the children of God said, amen. I want to give thanks to my friends who, who now that I've retired, more of my clergy friends who want to take vacations and get out of their pulpit for a little while have been calling me and saying, Bert, can you come preach for us? It's because I want to take a break. And since they know that I've retired just this past uh, annual conference, they're like, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll come, and uh, they, can, they can get away for a little while. So I haven't missed a Sunday since retirement. <laughs> my mother-in-law says, y'all are the busiest retired people I've ever met in my life, and, and she's right about it. But I, this is what I love. This is what I enjoy. Today is the second Sunday of Pentecost. It is... That, that event in our faith that next to the resurrection, Pentecost is the greatest event in the history of our faith. Pentecost. Peter gave this powerful, powerful, spirit-filled sermon on the day of Pentecost. He talked about Jesus. He talked about his resurrection and the promised Holy Spirit, the comforter, and ever-present help. Always, not just in times of trouble, but always present. And Peter let all of Israel know that without question, God had made Jesus, and they were the ones who crucified him. This is where we pick up the story of Pentecost in our scripture today. So I'm going to read from the common English version of the Bible, the second chapter of Acts, verses 37 through 39. Common English version. Second chapter of Acts, verses 37 through 39. Verse 37. When the crowd heard this, they were deeply troubled. They said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? 
And Peter replied, change your hearts and lives. Each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, this promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God invites. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What shall we do? Somebody say, what shall we do? What shall we do? Isn't this the question we all ask from time to time as we deal with family matters or, or issues of this world that evolve around us as we watch the news, as we listen to CNN, and as we look on the internet? Isn't that the question that all of us ask from time to time? What shall we do? Even as we seek forgiveness for our own sins. What? shall we do? And Peter provides an answer in this scripture. He says, we must change. We must change. And then we can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is for you. It is for your children. It is for you, which means it is for your children's children's children if you change now. And as a song that was sung at annual conference, it, it, it reminded me that, 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 that it's for those who are out there, but there would be no out there if the doors were open in here. We must change. I, I like this version of the scripture because it, it helps us understand a little bit more about repentance. That repentance is about change. Repentance is not about, about feeling sorry for your sins. Repentance is, is about letting God forgive your sins and then living like forgiven people. See, I've, I've been forgiven, and I can live like it. It, it. It's about changing your heart, your mind, and your spirit to turn from sin. Somebody say turn from. Turn from. To change the direction of your life from selfishness, it's all about me. To change from I'm doing it my way to I'll do it the Lord's way. You know, a whole lot of people are going straight to Hades singing that old St. Frank Sinatra hymn, I did it my way. They are. At the same time, repentance means you must turn to. Somebody say turn to. You must turn to Christ. Depending on him for your mercy, your grace, your guidance, your purpose. You cannot save yourself. Only God can. In a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate the Independence Day of our nation as we, as we celebrate life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But sometimes, sometimes we are pursuing the wrong thing in the wrong direction. Did you hear the story about the elderly lady, Grace? She was, on the, she was watching the news, and she heard on, on the news that about a car that was driving the wrong way on the interstate. And she was so worried that her husband was in danger that she called him on his cell phone to warn him. And she said, Claude, you need to be extra careful coming home. The news just said there is a crazy person driving the wrong way on the interstate. Ethel, it's not just one of them. <laughs> it's all of them. 
Repentance is the act of pursuing God's agenda in every area of your life. And for that, that means turning from and turning to. My friends, we have settled for less when we were meant for more. We were meant for an extraordinary life like Jesus's to change the world. But we must change in order to change the world. So the title for this message today is this. Be the change you want to see. Be the change you want to see. It's important for us to identify with the changes that took place at Pentecost. Because people still need to change. We still need to change. All of us. All of us. When I, when I took biology in school, we had this rat maze experiment where you would put a rat in at the end of the maze and, and the rat would, would bump around and bump around until it would find its cheese at the end of the maze. And at first, he would just bump around and go real slow. But, but the next time you put the rat in, it bumped around a little less to get to the cheese. And after a while, when you put the rat in, it would zip through the maze to get to the cheese at the end of the maze and have it in its mouth in just a few seconds. And even if you took the cheese completely out of the maze, the rat would still make a beeline to get to it. But after a while, the rat figured out the cheese is gone, so he stops going. That's the difference between rats and people. The rat knows when to stop. We don't. We all get into the same ruts over and over and over again. And we don't change. We routinely struggle with the same weaknesses, the same and repeat the same mistakes. We are constantly dealing with the same brokenness, the same, the same hurts, the same sorrows and griefs, having the same arguments, dealing with the same temptations, the same sin. Do you ever stop and ask, what must I do? What, 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 should, what should I do differently? What, what is it that I need to change? What do you need to change? It, 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 because it is, an, it, it is amazing to me the lengths that people will go through to change their jobs, change their mates, change their friends, or even change themselves physically, but do very little to nothing to change themselves spiritually. What is it about yourself, your attitude, your behavior? that you would like to change. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? I'm going to be transparent for a minute. I know one of the things it would be for me, and I keep working at it, is patience. Especially at the grocery store. <laughs> when that person, about two people in front of me, who had 30 items in the line that said 10, and then their debit card wouldn't work. And they had to hunt for a checkbook. Oh, I get impatient. I want to get out of the line and get in another line. Or I just leave my stuff and go on home. Come back tomorrow. What do you need to change about yourself? Perhaps 
you would change to be a better listener and stop rushing through your conversations so you could get back to doing what? Watching TV? Perhaps you would change your thinking that the world evolves around you, depends on you, and would fall apart without your management. Perhaps you would change the way you look at people because they look differently or they dress differently. Perhaps you would change the way you judge other people because they choose to sin differently than you do. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? What? What would it be? My friends, if you're looking for a change in other people, then be the change you want to see. Be the change. You want people to laugh more? Laugh more. You want people to smile more? Smile. You want people to speak and say hello? Speak. Say hello. Be the change you want to see. Mahatma Gandhi once said, and I quote, if we could change ourselves, the tendencies of the world would also change. We need not wait to see what others will do, end quote. It's generally believed, generally true that people are always looking to improve or change their lives. I want you to know this morning that God is interested in change, but God is interested in change to take place in you. And since the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, I believe the change that God wants is related to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If we would look at the changes that took place at Pentecost, perhaps we could see that God is interested in changing us. Change number one was what happened to the disciples. Somebody say, what happened? The disciples were changed. They believed in Jesus as their Savior, but they were still very confused about Jesus. They still didn't fully understand Jesus' mission and why he had come to earth. They were still wondering if Jesus would be an earthly king. They were confused about his power to heal. They were confused when he told his stories. They were confused about his method of salvation. They were confused, bewildered, perplexed, and as a result, they were timid. They weren't confident about sharing the gospel with others. How could they be? They didn't fully understand it. But when Pentecost came, the scripture tells us in Acts 4.31, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. No longer were the disciples confused. Now they understood the plan of salvation completely. No longer were they fearful or hesitant. Now they were confident. They were speaking publicly. Their change was to be bold, confident, and come out of their comfort zone. It reminds me of something my dad once told me. Be bold in what you stand for, but careful in what you fall for. Is this the change that God wants in you to come out of your comfort zone? Be bold and confident in your faith? Why is it that, that when we stand in Bible study together or, or, or Sunday school together and at the end the teacher says, would somebody close us out with prayer? And everybody looks at their feet. <laughs> what happened to being bold and confident in our faith? The lyrics to one of my favorite songs by Marvin Sapp says, I'm coming out of my comfort zone, some of the places in my life that's comfortable. God is challenging me 
to trust and believe, for to go where I've not gone, I must do what I've not done. To go where I've not gone, Shambly First United Methodist Church, to do what I've not done there, preach the word of God. My friends, boldness is not being reckless or impulsive. It's all, it's all right to be cautious. Even a turtle never gets anywhere until he sticks his head out. Boldness requires courage to press on through your fears and do what you know is right and strive to be the change. Somebody say, be the change. Be the change you want to see. Change number two is what happened to the people at Pentecost. Somebody say, what happened? The people were changed. We could say that, that the change that happened to them was more spectacular than what happened to the disciples because after Peter preached his bold sermon, about 3,000 people became new believers. And we read in Acts 2.41, those who accepted Peter's message were baptized. God brought about 3,000 people into the community of faith on that day. Now, we don't know much about these people. But when these people were baptized and received the gift of the Holy Spirit, they were changed. Their whole way of looking at God, at themselves, at the world, at eternal life, everything changed. These people became new believers in Christ because now they had a new relationship with God. Now they knew the comfort zone to guide and teach them justly and love mercy and to walk humbly with God. And this change applies not only out there, but in your home and in your family. Are you being just in your family? Are you loving mercy in your family? C.S. Lewis reminds us with these words, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Be reminded of God's promises. Be reminded of Jesus' words. Be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and be the change you want to see in the world and in your family. So we understand the disciples that change. We understand the people that changed on Pentecost. But there is a third change. A third change. Somebody say, what is it? Change number three is the change that needs to take place in you. Our problem is that we don't think we need to change. Some of y'all sitting here looking at me this morning saying, well, I'm all right the way I am. I don't need to change anything. What do I need to change about myself? Well, the answer is a lot. A lot. Yes, it's true we are believers in Jesus Christ, but we still have sinful habits that we don't want to get rid of. We still have, have moments when we respond to life in our flesh and not in the spirit. We still have moments when we are selfish. We still have moments when we completely misunderstand what God is saying to us, either through, through the word of God or a song that we heard or through a friend that spoke to us. We still have moments when we don't share our faith because we are too afraid or uncertain. It's true that we believe in Jesus Christ, but my friends, we still need to change. We still need to become more and more the people that God wants us to be. 
And the Apostle Paul reminds us with these words found in Romans 12 too, But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are called to remember that God has good, acceptable, and perfect plans for his children, you and I. He wants us to be transformed people with renewed minds to honor, to live, to honor him and represent him in the world. Are you listening for God? Truly listening. Maybe that's the change you need to make in your lives. You know, one of the positives that came out of the pandemic was that it truly made us step back from the noise the activities of life and gave us better opportunities to pray and be still and quietly listen for God's guidance and direction. On, on the surface, it may not look like anything spectacular, but the Holy Spirit is at work all around us and wants to work inside you and me and on the inside of those around us. It, it means the possibilities for all kinds of changes are taking place. But sometimes we act like ostriches. We want to go stick our heads in the sand and act like we don't see the changes. The Holy Spirit, you see, when, when, when you combine the Holy Spirit with water, what do you get? You get baptism. On the surface, it may not look like anything spectacular, but we know from what God tells us in his word is that baptism, the Holy Spirit, changes a person on the inside. When we, when we combine the Holy Spirit with some bread and some wine, we get communion. Oh, it may not look like anything spectacular on the surface, but it is in our faith tradition. What do we say? Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. As we are faith, faced with so much in our world today, as we are divided into so many different camps, taking sides based on contentious opinions, doomsday speculations, and morality debates, we must pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit to help all of us and others to change. I, I, I want to close with something that's familiar. It probably may not be familiar to some of the younger people, but it's familiar to those of us who are baby boomers. And it, it is a story that comes from the Peanuts comic strip where, where, where that had Lucy and Charlie Brown practicing football. How many of y'all remember that? Y'all remember? Y'all know what I'm talking about. At least I got a few people that are my age in the room. You know, Charlie, Lucy would hold the ball for Charlie's place kicking so that Charlie could kick the ball. But every time Lucy held the ball for Charlie as he would approach and swing his leg to kick with all his might at the precise moment of the point of no return, what would Lucy do? She would pick up the ball and Charlie Brown, with all his momentum, unchecked by the ball, which should have been there, would fall on his back. That's probably all that you remember about that comic strip. Because it was funny. It made us laugh. But there is a lesson you may have missed. The comic strip opened with Lucy holding the ball and begging him to kick it. But Charlie Brown said, every time I try to kick the ball, you remove it and I fall on my back. And they go back and forth and back and forth. And finally, Lucy breaks down in tears and she says, 
Charlie Brown, I have been so terrible to you over all these years, picking up the football like I have. I have played so many cruel tricks on you, but I've seen the error of my ways. I've seen the hurt look in your eyes when I've deceived you. I've been wrong, so wrong. Won't you give a poor, penitent girl another chance? And Charlie Brown is moved by her display of grief, and he responds to her, of course, I'll give you another chance. And he steps back as she holds the ball, and he runs to make his kick. And at the last moment, what does Lucy do? She picks up the ball. And he runs and falls flat on his back. Lucy's last words are the lesson. For she says, recognizing your faults and actually changing your ways are two different things, Charlie Brown. So my friends, this morning... Don't just recognize your faults. Do all you can to change them. And as you do that, remember the words of the Apostle Paul to the Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me so that I can be the change that I want to see in the world, in my family, and in myself. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come on, let us pray together. Lord God, we come once again to give you thanks. Thank you that you chose each of us for your spirit to live. And we pray that you would grow inside us to, to give us the boldness we need to, to do justice, to embrace faithful love, and to walk humbly with you for the betterment of our families, our communities, our nation and the world. Lord, as we raise our hopes and our dreams, our worries and our fears to you, help us as we strive to be the change agents for your goodness, to be examples, worthy examples to the world of your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your gentleness and self-control. Please send your Holy Spirit to guard, guide, and protect us as, as we pray for your presence in all of our lives. Lord God, we acknowledge our need for a change in ourselves and our world. God, lead us to, as, we, as we bring everything to you in prayer and petition. And Lord, when we do, let us trust your response for all our needs. For you know all that we need before we ask. And we pray for forgiveness for our ignorance in asking. We give you thanks today for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Be present with us as we strive to be the change we want to see. Amen.